It's me, Kani Sirka. And I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Say what? You you didn't invite me? That's okay. That's okay. I'm so happy to be here. It's all good. I've got so much to tell you. So firstly, I'm a comedian and improviser, and secondly, I'm on a mission with Bumble to find out if romance is dead. That's right. I decided to set upon a journey, digging through the trenches, pulling apart the heartache, eating lots of chocolate, singing love songs at the top of my lungs. And even though this is what my usual Saturday night is, on this quest, I will also be talking to musicians, filmmakers, bakers, wedding planners, psychologists, writers, and more to truly understand what creates that spark. What is romance? What does it all mean? And will love find a way? Sorry, excuse me. Can I get a cup of chai from Chai and Biscuits? Yeah. <laughs> my name Kaniz Kaniz Surka, the full name. Yeah, Chai. Two sugars, thank you. अरे आप आ गया? आपका चेहरा इतना खूबसूरत है। फूल मेरे लिए? नहीं नहीं। Sorry, clearly my scriptwriter's Bollywood dialogue skills are worse than mine. Anyway, if we're going to do an entire podcast about romance in India, how can we not talk about the Indian film industry? The color, the stories, the songs, the drama, the sexy flowers getting it on. It's the magic of cinema that has become part of our personal mythology that feeds into our beliefs on love and relationships. Like remember when Rahul ran after Anjali when she was leaving on the train? That made me realize how beautiful and romantic some friendships are, which is why the only dates I ever go on are with my friends. Like they'll come home and they'll be like, "Kaniz, your chair is so beautiful." And even though they're referring to the kursi in the house, it's still very romantic. So to help me explore the romance in storytelling, I'm talking to film critic Anupama Chopra, writer Anuja Chauhan. and filmmaker Alankrita Shivastav Like me we've all been swept away by the romance and stories whether it allows you to dream a little or live vicariously or give you unrealistic expectations I want to know how film TV and books have influenced our ideas of romance So I've asked film critic and journalist Anupama Chopra where her love affair with romantic films in Bollywood began Romance for me, it's always been uh, the films of Yash Chopra uh, because he was the first person who sort of put that idea of beautiful people and chiffon saris and tulips <laughs> into my head. And I think romance is movies at large because it's not just romance in the kind of love sort of definition of it. I think that's that's a very narrow definition of. romance i think romance is like a it's like an engagement with life you know so the first one that i remember is uh, very clearly is kabhi kabhi uh, which was uh, which was way back in the 70s so i don't know if people listening to your podcast are going to even know that film but they should they should it's this sort of multi generational romance which uh, had amitabh bachchan and rakhi and vaida rehman and of course Shashi Kapoor, you know, sort of breathtakingly handsome. It's a film about two generations falling in love, about uh, you know two people in love who cannot be married, and she marries somebody else. And then this whole idea of kind of 
allowing that scar to heal and moving on and you know kind of passing on your good wishes and your good will to your children and they living vicariously through them so it's just this beautiful beautiful film and my earliest kind of notions and my sort of some of my favorite ideas of romance come from there because it, it was also one of the earliest hindi films to kind of speak of parents as friends uh, you know where you tell your father that you're in love with somebody and your father encourages that and says that go out and get her which is something of course that uh, aditya chopra repeated again in ddlj but this was mid 70s where yashji was doing it which was fairly remarkable um so that's like one of my big big romantic highs and of course of course then coming all the way to ddlj which uh, you know now uh, you know when you see it and it's going to be 25 years old my god in october there are enough things in it which just seem very very problematic but it still sweeps you off your feet because the emotion is just so elevated you know so that for sure then there's romances like for me one of the most romantic films i've ever seen is brokeback mountain i remember just weeping more recently call me by your name again the same thing just sitting there and weeping copiously um so so these are some of the films that have really kind of resonated with me in the depth of their emotion so anupam like apart from making you cry and not not cry but obviously making you connect with the the depth of the emotion what do you think makes a love story a classic is there such a thing uh there is no there is uh you know i think what makes it a classic and this is something i i wonder often that that do we have so few really compelling love stories today because the opposition isn't as fierce as it used to be i mean you go to something like mughlai azam uh, you know one of the sort of foundational texts of hindi cinema you know 1960 you've got the story of the crown prince of india no less hindustan you know hindustan ke shehzade um, in love with a dancing girl and he's up against his father who's the emperor of the country right now look at the opposition there and look at the look at the drama and look at the film that was created and and it's just oh my god even today you you watch mughlai azam and you can't you can't literally stop watching even though you know the beats you know the songs you know what's going to happen but the power of that movie is is just so immense and and that comes from the opposition to the love come to serat just the most euphoric romance between two young lovers uh, which ends in unspeakable tragedy but i think that opposition really makes a classic and i wonder now that do we not have it because finally the opposition is a career it's not being able to commit and does that not then speak to us or resonate as strongly i mean those are that is exactly the opposition that you and me would have in life yeah uh, but maybe maybe it doesn't make for great cinema i don't know Yeah, because the whole like the whole star-crossed lovers, right? From like Ro- Romeo and Juliet, that whole we can't be together. Um, exactly. That's probably like the template for a love story. And you're right. Does it make good cinema? Like what we go through right now, does that make good cinema? I wonder if it's all too easy. Is it the fact that you could? Uh, there was a film called Mere Mehboob. Okay, in which, from what I remember, 
he, Rajendra Kumar and Sadhna, uh, I think this was sometime in the 1960s or the 50s, um, where, where he doesn't see her face. She's always in a, in a veil. And then they're both in the same college and her books drop. Okay. Hmm. And he's trying to help her pick up her books and their fingers touch. And it's just like this huge romantic moment because their fingers have touched. Right. And then it goes into Mere Mehboob, Tujhe Meri Mohabbat Ki Kasam. You know, this, this amazing song. Now, how do you do that now? Like, what is the equivalent of fingers touching and your heart exploding with emotion? <laughs> I don't even know. The ultimate meet-cute. That moment when their eyes meet across a crowded room or they bump into each other while standing in a queue at the movies or they realize that they had the same bajiwala. Apna Raju at the end of the road. Yeah, the same one. Hey, what? Let's have sex. Anyway, the meet-cute is essential and pivotal to the telling of a love story. It all hinges on the meet-cute. We have seen so many of them in movies, books and TV shows where besides the meet-cute, you have other common tropes like the conflict, the doubt, the sadness and of course the happy ending. So how do writers still manage to make our hearts flutter story after story? I spoke to romance author Anuja Chohan, who's written novels like The Zoya Factor, Battle of Bittora, Those Pricey Thakur Girls, and The House That BJ Built and Baz. I want to understand how you write a love story. Where does it begin? And how do you make the characters seem familiar or believable? Yeah, see, I, I think uh, there was some... One of my very old friends from school showed me an autograph book. You know, we used to write in these little slam books when we were kids. And it had it had asked me, what's your definition of romance when I was about 12 years old? And the 12-year-old me had written fighting and making up. And I really think that somewhere, especially in the initial phase when you're writing a romantic story, the fighting and making up is a key part of it. Not just fighting like cats and also no purpose, but fighting to get to a clearer understanding of each other, each other's points of view, uh, a sort of an emotional striptease rather than the physical one that one people get into too quickly, right? Yeah. So I think that that kind of communication, which is intense, which strips layers away and leads to a better understanding of each other is very, very, um, it's very intimate. So I think if in your romance, it is about that. It's about two people connecting and disconnecting and meeting again and again in that classic, you know, like a rom- rom-com sort of uh, format. Yeah. Then it's very important that you know who these people are and you know what the issues are, what, you know, what they stand for, what is her moral compass, what is his moral compass, values, uh, belief systems. And, you know, you can perhaps like something I often do is put them on uh, two ends of a conflict, right? Somebody believes in something and someone equally passionately believes something else. And then you sort of come to a place of understanding of these two people and their two belief systems. And then that's the whole bone of your book. That's the spine of your book. So that's kind of how I approach writing a love story. That's really insightful for a 12-year-old. No, no, the 12-year-old was just saying fighting and making up. Okay, awesome. According to you, what makes a romance novel good and what makes one bad? I don't want to say the word bad, but yeah, but what makes a good romance novel? What makes a not a very nice good romance novel? The two people who are falling in love, um, 
the characters of those people, the concerns of those people. I need to get invested in them and understand them. And I need to feel what they're feeling. That's important, the way the characters are written. Hmm. Uh, then uh, the conflict, again, is important. Like, what is the big issue? What are they fighting about or, you know, making up about? That's important. Is it like, what kind of a backdrop is it? Is there a war? Is it cricket? Is it politics? That needs to be as interesting then there's the support cast and uh, you know because that's really important as well like and these are like they can be incredible characters like hero ka dost and you know hero in ki sakhiyan they are very very interesting people the mother the aunt the sister the evil boss or the fun boss or you know the girlfriends and the boyfriends and all those people are also really really important in making that romance happen so yeah. all those things like if it's beauty and the beast then it's about all those little creatures you know the spoons and the cups and the clock and all those guys mm-hmm. are adding to make this much more incredible so i think those if you can't cheat you can't be lazy so i think a good romance is one where all these boxes are ticked no you're right i i you, I, you know, i never really gave it much of a thought when you're right the side characters are really important and also you know a lot of the freshness comes from the side characters because at the end of the day a hero and a heroine or you know your main characters are always somewhere or the other they are doing the expected thing they're falling in love but yeah. the people around them they all these really fun people who have all the best lines and the best sides and the best takes on the situation some are cynical some are romantic some are pragmatic all those guys are what's adding the texture and everything in life and that's from real life as well i mean what is the point of getting frisian from some cute boy you met at the bar you can't come back and giggle about it with your sister later or your friends that postmortem is more important than the meeting like you will send like screenshots to your friends and say what do you think and did i say it well and what do you think yeah. all that that's that's it's actually that's more interesting you know it's like how when you plan a party the preparation for the party very often turns out to be better than the party itself it's the same thing i thoroughly enjoy a good postmortem of a date with my friends breaking down every detail of what happened like a forensic investigation we dissect and calculate all to work out what it all meant and what could happen it's like we're telling our own little romantic stories when i was younger reading judy bloom books in sweet valley high gave me an idea of how my romance could play out but now watching my friends and i live our love lives has made me realize that those were just stories in books A love story isn't perfect. It's awkward and terrifying at times. So is there a way that romance, instead of being a fantasy, could have some level of realism? I had a chat with screenwriter and filmmaker Alankrit Rashivastav, who wrote and directed Lipstick Under My Burqa, Made in Heaven, and more recently Dali Kitty or Wo Chamakte Sitare. What influenced your ideas of romance in your childhood? I feel like I grew up with these very amazing ideas about romance i looked at it through rose tinted glasses i think when i was in class 9 i spent that whole summer reading mills and boons yeah. and then uh, i had this whole idea yeah that you know like uh, it's a fairy tale sort of thing and everyone's going to be like like i'm going to meet this some mr right and everything is going to be so amazing and so hunky dory and i think so much of my life has been about the unlearning of that idea and um, it's very interesting because i feel like my life never panned out like that and i think i had to spend so much time understanding that life really exists you know in those gray spaces mm. and not really in that uh, conventional idea of romance 
because I I don't idolize the idea of romance, but I feel like uh, very often, uh, you know, the characters that I'm uh, writing, mm. sometimes they have like this idea of romance and I love to like sometimes build that idea of romance and then puncture it, you know. When you take off those rose-tinted glasses, what is it that exists? And I find that very interesting because I, I feel like maybe I guess I resonate with that journey of, first seeing the world like that and then being like okay it's not really like that so i like exploring also the idea of finding romance in unexpected places in odd combinations and mm. to find it in jagged ways you know like not to find it in a the right way like oh he's perfect for her she's perfect for him and now they'll have this perfect ending and i mean i guess that perfection bothers me i don't feel like there's that great joy in that perfection i think like the beauty lies in the imperfection the awkwardness of the couple and you know I like those kind of things I don't think that's cynical at all I think it's realistic Alakata tell me what were some of the love stories you grew up with or that left an impression on you I was very influenced by these uh, you know films like Ghost and Dirty Dancing and Top Gun and uh, Rain Man so I had a very like traditional idea of a Hollywood romance and Greece and you know so I think uh, it was a lot of like what was really popular in popular culture uh, if I could put it um, that way and I think as you know by the time I came to college I think I started seeing things differently I also used to watch a lot of like I I was very I used to love these mainstream big love stories you know like Mene Pyar Kia and Hum Aapke Hain Kaun and Dil Wale Dulhaniya Le Jayenge and all of that and then it all kind of came crashing down i think when i was in college and i started seeing life differently and films differently and i started reading like um, you know much like many more f- uh, books by female writers and i think like that sort of started uh, you know changing how i viewed everything and stopped seeing everything in a very sort of unidimensional kind of way but it was a long journey because in my own life of course you know i always wanted things to work out in a very very conventional manner and they really wouldn't and i think there was a lot of struggle that i faced i feel as a, a woman in my 20s you know i moved to bombay and i was trying to figure out what romance is in my life and and then i think like it became the fodder for me to write my first film turning 30 which is uh, was a coming of age film or this girl who's headed towards her 30th birthday and things are not working out in her life the way she had imagined so i think in a way it wasn't like my life story but it was very i think the themes are very close to my life um, at that time you know your movies aren't the classic boy meets girl love stories you know but they, like they usually telling stories about the woman and the value of love and relationships in their lives like you mentioned Do you think romances in Indian cinema impact the way people think about real life romances? Like it did for you a little bit. No, definitely. And I think it's uh, I think we should be telling uh you know young girls and boys that uh, that's not how it is. I think especially young girls who grew up with this idea that uh, you know like the the men in their lives are going to turn out to be like that or love is going to feel like that. I definitely feel that what we imbibe uh, you know whether it's through what we read the songs we listen to the cinema that we watch uh, it's definitely shaping our expectations of a romantic relationship we are not primed to put our own needs first as women especially it's all about like the man should desire me but 
like how much do i desire that person and my needs getting fulfilled you know putting your own uh, sort of sexual needs at the center of the equation rather than feeling like you must do whatever you know just to please the other person i hope that nowadays i don't know i feel i feel like it's different now for young kids and i'm hoping that they don't grow up with this warped idea of uh, what romance is Here's the thing about believing in the epic movie romances. Sometimes they are completely and absolutely wrong. Now as an adult, I watch movies I loved as a kid and realize, um, this character is toxic or this lovely kissing scene is completely non-consensual. And as the world changes, our understanding of love and romance changes as well. But it's hard to shake off what we learned as young kids. What we can do though is re-examine them, challenge those preconceived notions and create new romantic ideas. To understand how we can do this better, I went back to film critic Anupama Chopra. As society changes, we are reconsidering so many things we accepted in the past. For example, the toxic boyfriend or the controlling father. What do you think are some of the biggest changes that have taken place in these kinds of representations in Indian cinema? So I think one of the biggest uh, things that we've re-examined is the wooing of the leading lady. For many decades, we um, accepted stalking as normal romantic behavior. For in so many movies, the hero would just go, keep pursuing the woman until you know to a point where then she turned around and sort of said, "Oh, I love you." You know the whole idea of "nana karke pyar tum hi se kar bethe," uh, where you are saying no, but you actually mean yes. and i think um, amir i remember reading somewhere apologized for a song he did called khambe jaisi khadi hai with madhuri dikshit in which you know he's sort of chasing her through the college and being very rough and that was seen as acceptable behavior and i think that that's one of the main things that we've kind of reexamined and looked at and understood that that's not okay if a woman says no then it means no it's not a license to keep going till she says yes I mean I remember watching Ranjana which you know and there were parts of that film I really really enjoyed and I was blind to the stalking in that film and then you know I remember uh, I think it was Zoya Akhtar and a couple of other people who talked about but but how is this okay and yeah. you know so I didn't see it I didn't see it because it it was completely normalized behavior in you know and even people like us who are supposed to be calling out the problem areas didn't see it just going off of that like how do you think bollywood's changed its portrayal of love or relationships in terms of now now how do they portray finding and expressing love in movies you know i think a lot has changed look you know people speak of bollywood like it's some sort of external extension of india but it's not you know all the people uh, it's it's very much situated in the country we live in the people who are part of the film industry are conditioned by the same society that functions in the rest of the country so we cannot expect that there's going to be some miraculous um, shift of sensibility in like two or three years right but over the years what's really changed is there's more women in the film industry there's far more women working in the business than there used to be and women behind the camera women directing movies women producing films women in positions of power that itself has changed the portrayal 
So when you see a film where, you know, I mean, of course, right now you have a slew of movies which are led by women. Uh, you know, so in the recent few months, you've had Gunjan Saxena and Shakuntala Devi and Bulbul, even something like uh, Patal Lok, which is a series and so heavily, it's a very male universe, but the women have very distinctive roles and they really kind of play a key role in the plot. You know, so so I think that a lot of things are changing. The way romance is changing is the fact that they are equal partners. I think for Hindi f- films, even the fact that they could show women having sex without going into this, oh my God, what have I done? Ab mera kya hoga? Type of notions, you know. That was a massive step. I mean, till 25 years ago, I mean, again, going back to DDLJ, which is also a foundational text for romance in Hindi cinema, you have a character, Raj, who doesn't sleep with Simran because he says, I understand what honor means for an Indian woman. Okay, from that place to come to a place where a film like Tamasha, where she's leaving and then looks at him and decides that, you know what, I'm going to sleep with him and does it and does not regret sleeping with somebody. She falls in love and it leads to all other things, but there's no apology. That's a massive move forward. That is a, that's a huge, like, because yeah, even like me growing up in the 90s, like you said, like when all the Bollywood movies I watched connect, like, you know, there's a lot of izzat attached to like woman and yeah. reality and the loss of izzat. And, uh, and that's what I grew up on. And that's how, that's what my relationship with sex was. I felt guilty, guilty every time I had it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Bollywood and Bollywood movies were, and movies were a big part of the reason why I had, I, I uh, believed that. Absolutely, because all the izzat was uh, the repository of women, right? I mean, it's the woman who protects the izzat and who contains the izzat. And so for Hindi cinema, you know, I really understood that things had changed when I saw Jab Tak Hai Jaan and Shah Rukh Khan and Katrina Kaif had sex outside of marriage. And I said, okay, you know, know what? Yash Chopra, the high priest of romance, uh, is doing it in this beautiful film with A-list stars, which means that it is now a norm. It's fine. Everyone's understood that there is no guilt attached. Even if it's slow, it's good to know that change is taking place. I want to see all kinds of romance in movies. Queer, polyamory, mature, short-lived ones, and so on. My idea of the perfect romance is not finding the one, but instead finding many ones throughout my life. So ultimately, there is something about romance in films, TV and books that may seem unrealistic, but they bring some people a level of hope. Maybe next time when you trip over a broken pavement, the person catching you could be your soulmate. Or in my case, one of the ones. That's what stories do. Once you turn those pages, the lights go out. It makes you believe in something bigger and larger than your everyday life. What Bollywood has always been is a source of great joy. Of course, there is no monolithic Bollywood anymore because we've evolved, because, you know, we have so many different voices uh, and so many different kinds of cinema. It's a wonderful thing. But I think the traditional Bollywood film, you know, the sort of the big song and dance movie was, was really kind of a place that came from a place of zero cynicism. It came with with a lot of positivity. It came with a lot of things will be fine. You know, I've always said that I've always thought of Hindi cinema as kind of a collective expression of hope. 
And I think that's something that's really beautiful. That's something that it gets really right. And I think that's one thing that has allowed it to sort of withstand the assault of Hollywood. Because no matter what, eventually you want that that warmth and that kind of, you know, it's like eating Rajma Chawal. Yeah. You know, so I, I feel like Bollywood is that and that's what it's got right. But I think what it can really work on is the storytelling, is the complexity of its narratives, is, of course, the position and the agency it gives to women, which has been kind of a hit and miss over the years. You know, the music has played such a key part in our lives, Kariza. Honestly, you go to people's birthday parties and there's film music playing there and it plays at religious ceremonies. We get married with the background of Bollywood music. We, you know, it's playing in our nightclubs. Uh, I mean, I've even told my husband that I want Bollywood music at my funeral. Hindi cinema permeates every aspect of our lives. And I like to see it as a positive thing. And finally, you know what I'm going to ask, right? I'm still searching for the answer. Is romance dead? Or will love find a way? I don't think it's dead. I think it's there. Uh, I think what romance is suffering from too much responsibility. It's not fair to put romance under so much pressure. You know, if you put that much pressure on one best friend or on a sibling or on a boss or on anything else, obviously that thing will collapse, right? So when you're looking for romance, you're looking at potential for spending 60 years with someone. 60 years, man, some of that is going to be shit, no matter who it is with. You have a best friend who survived 60 years without a few horrible fights in the middle or some terrible breakdowns and people just sort of zoning you out for 10 years, perhaps, you know? So I'm saying that we're just putting too much of your expectations. Everything will be solved because you're going to meet this dream person. Of course it's not, no. You've got to get your own shit together. So I'm saying romance is there, it's alive. We need to stop putting like, you know, all the burdens of all the bloody Shah Rukh Khan movies we watched. We can't put that on our little romance. I don't think romance is dead. So I think romance is alive, but it's not alive in the form that we have imagined that it would be alive in as we were growing up. So the thing is that love will never exist without pain and heartbreak and betrayal and sorrow. So I think love always finds a way, but love will come with its baggage, you know. But I think to recognize that is to, in a way, also accept and embrace the beauty of life itself. It's all there. It's around us. It's just not as pure and uh, clear and uh, happily ever after as we imagine it to be. No, not at all. It's not dead at all and it never will be. Um, love will find a way. I mean, think about the fact that you still read Shakespeare's sonnets and feel a little swoony. At least I do. Uh, you know, when when I read the lines, shall I compare thee to a summer's day? I mean, how how just how gorgeous for a man to say that to a woman. There will be new ways to say it. There will be different ways to say it. There'll be different expressions of love. But I don't think it can die. How can it? It's It's embedded in our DNA. And I feel as long as there's Bollywood, there's going to be romance. Thank you so much for listening to Is Romance Dead by Bumble India. Join us next week as we continue our quest to explore the things we consider romantic. Download Bumble now and make the first move because love will find a way. I'm Kanee Sirka. This is a podcast series by Bumble India. Executive producers Alixa Nahar and Georgie Koop. 
Directed by May Thomas. Production by Made in India.